English track, put up one finger. Okay. If you want Spanish tracks, put up two fingers. All right. This is Spanish. This is English. So one finger for English. Two for Spanish. All right. Remember, these are new tracks. You get new tracks every week. Doesn't matter if you had, you got some left. You should have brought them back in. Remember, everybody should get tracks. Should always have tracks on you. Okay, always have tracks on you. And please, I I ask you, do not let them get soiled. All right. Uh, chick tracks are about 15 cents a piece. Uh, they might be. I don't think they're any cheaper than that anymore. The other tracks are actually cost, but actually a fellowship will actually send them to us for nothing, but we always try to give them a donation. Listen, the gospel message is the primary thing the church is responsible for. Thank you. And uh, my granddaughter is handing out more tracks than I am. So we're going to do a little contest with my granddaughter. We're going to see if I can get out. So uh, she, I won't tell you how many she hands out, but I, I dare say she hands out probably half of what church hands out. So that's a lot of tracks. She says she, she gets you jump in the car. Oh, I forgot my track. Got to run, run to the car and get my track. And uh, you know, if a seven, eight-year-old girl is brave enough to hand out tracks, come on, come on, you guys that are tough and rough, right? Let's do what God has called us to do. Make sure you hand in those slips, part of the county. Okay, who has who's, uh, whose devotions haven't I signed yet this morning? All right. Let's get those signed. This is just an accountability thing it's to encourage young people to have their devotions. Mom and Dad, Mom and Dad's signature is on there as well as pastors. It says to them it's important. So please, to your part, parents. Godly seed is something that God had planned on and purpose. 
no other person in the Bi- uh, that you have in the Bible that you have that much influence that God would say, <clears throat> you train them up, and they will not depart from you. Train them up. You teach them. I'm going to hold to that. And I want to see you rejoicing over your son or daughter. Not just because they had the devotions, but because you worked with teaching them. 20 years. Think about how. A quarter of their life is spent with you. I, I've never, you talk about going four years to college. <laughs> about 20 years to school. So please, please do work at that. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. We are uh, we're looking at something I think this morning I hope will be a help to you. things that I think is important is the Christian life, and that is joy. Um, you know, it's hard to do something if you're not enjoying what you're doing. It's hard to do something if there's no pleasure in what you're doing. Uh, I mean, you've got a job you really don't enjoy doing, right? You just do it because you have to go to work. And uh, you try to make the most of it and do your best, but it's just not, you really sometimes get your heart of it. God has given us a salvation that is not just a wonderful thing of the future, but it's a wonderful thing now. It's a, an exciting thing to have and, and to know. Uh, you look at Nehemiah up here on the border. You can look at it in your Bibles. He says, uh, and of course, Nehemiah, if you remember, what was Nehemiah doing in the, in the Bible? What was, what was he called to do? Rebuild the wall. I mean, it was a wreck. It was a mess. And there weren't a lot of people involved in doing so. It was just a remnant that was involved in doing it. And uh, they were discouraged. They were, it was a, the wall was burned and broken down. And Nehemiah claims here in, in, in chapter 8 and verse number 10... He then said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared for the day. <clears throat> for this day is a holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, that is, I don't think there's any, any way it could be said better, is that if, if you like what you're doing, and you enjoy what you're doing, and you're, and you know what you're doing has purpose and and real meaning. It will be joy uh, if you feel like it is uh, the will of God that, and God has given you these children to raise up for Him. Um, you're going to enjoy that responsibility. It's not there's going to be difficult times, but you're going to enjoy it. You think, wow, what a privilege it is to be in service to God even raising up my children. Uh, when you think about uh, uh, your church and you think about uh, your responsibility and role in this church and 
yeah, there's some challenges that I uh, I know not just myself, but several have put in um, 12, 12 plus hours a day uh, uh, this week and last week, and probably some of be this next week. But if you're enjoying what you're doing, then it doesn't seem like that's a it's a it's a challenging task. But the idea that there is to be joy, that's what God intended there to be. If you take your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms, I had actually, uh, as a young person, had this memorized as part of the Lutheran liturgy. And uh, so it's not hard for me to even say um, uh, verbatim what it says. But I want you to read with me uh, uh, Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Let's stand as we read God's word together. The Bible says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness and according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. My tongue shall sing aloud. Of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else thou whilst I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite and broken heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good to thy do good in thy good pleasure under the Zion. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then shalt thou thy offer bullocks upon thine altar. And I just want to reread what he says here in verse number 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And Lord, at... Uh, at the minimum, Father, that because of what you've done for us, Father, that we not only are liberated from the penalty of death and hell, Father, we are uh, liberated, Father, from uh, temporal feelings of, and emotions of joy or happiness and given an, an eternal uh, value of our life and what it's worth. And, Father, what a great joy and a blessing that is. Lord, help us to understand the things that rob us of eternal joy. And Lord, give us the grace to realize that, Father, our service and our strength depends upon, Father, the joy that we have in you. Help us in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> I'm sure that I'm no different than most of you, that there's been times in my life that I'd had to say that there wasn't the joy that I think there should have been. I struggled <laughs> to do the role and responsibilities that I had as a Christian. 
no matter what it was, whether it was uh, being a good husband or a father, whether it was just being a, a, a faithful member of, of the church, I struggled with it. And I only wondered why. Did I, was I losing some of the aura of what it meant to be born again? Was I losing what it meant, to, uh, uh, the excitement of having my sins forgiven? And really, to be honest with you, I kind of already knew what it was. I want to begin just with the idea that, first of all, salvation, to have that no joy in salvation, it could be one of the main reasons that you can't have joy in salvation is you're not saved. Now, there's no boot beating around the bush. Uh, you're not going to enjoy uh, the things of God. You're not going to enjoy coming to church. You're not going to enjoy hearing preaching. You're not going to enjoy uh, your family or your marriage or any of the other, I think, that are gifts of God until you are born again. You have to be born again. There's, I mean, to have a, a joy that only God can give is, is dependent upon him, knowing him as your Savior. And a lot of people, sometimes they, you, you see them, they kind of come and go. They're part of the church, and then they're gone. And, and they, they seem to be just okay with uh, being indifferent about that. And I wonder, I say, I could no more in my, my thinking, even on the worst day where I, where I was having difficulty with having any joy, abandon the idea of, of, of my salvation. I, I, I think to, for me to say, well, I've, I've, uh, I've served God since I was 32, and I'm just kind of tired of this all. I think I'm just going to hang out, and uh, I'm not going to really uh, uh, be devoted to the things of God anymore. I've done my part. I can't, I can't imagine thinking like that. And I really believe for, for most people that have, are genuinely born again, you're like me. You can't picture that in your mind, how you could ever do that. But if you're here this morning... And I have to believe there's some here like that. But coming to come to church is basically kind of an option to you. That man, if there if there's some things up there that are out there competing with what's going on on Sunday, uh, you might just opt out of this going coming to church. You might just opt out when it comes to uh, really being serious in your devotions and and reading your Bible and praying and and trying to grow and be all that God wants you to be, and you just don't see it. You really have no desire to be in your in the Word, and there's no real sense of shame or guilt about not being in the Word. And uh, I heard the the Sunday school this morning is talking about separation and and uh, and to live a, a separated life, and and yet you want to go ahead and and be involved in all the all the trash that the world has to offer, and there's no sense of guilt about it. You know, you need to ask yourself, are you really saved? If there's no joy in the things of God, and you and I both know there's folks out there like that, I'm just asking this morning, are there people inside the walls of this, this brick building we call our church that really don't know what it means to have joy as a Christian? You really don't have a sense of of that blessing. If you take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter number 6, I want to show you a verse in here 
And then we're going to look at Acts chapter number 8 as well. But I want to show you a verse in, in Isaiah chapter number 6, verse number 7. The Bible says, And the Lord, and he... <coughs> laid it upon my mouth, and he said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sins are purged. Also I heard the voice out of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Well, this, this is a, to me is a picture of salvation. My sins are purged. I, I, my uh, iniquity is laid upon, is taken away. And then the Lord's requesting, and he asks, uh, uh, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Notice the answer. Stay with me. Then said I, what? Here am I. Send me. You know, I, as a pastor, I, I get so excited when people come to me, and they, what can I do? You say, why does that excite you, Pastor? Because I know they got something that's real. They got something that I can identify with. They want to serve God. They want to get busy and do something for God. And I and they got they have to believe that God has a purpose and a plan for their life. And if you don't have that in your spirit, I mean, you're not, you're not, not that you've got to call a pastor and ask him what, but uh, it ought to be that they're, you're kind of looking around and say, hey, man, I can help out here. Can I do this? I mean, uh, this 10 tracks a week, uh, it ought to be, uh, you know what, I want to be a help there. I want to be an encouragement to my kids and my family, and, and I want not only that, but I want, to, I want to get the gospel out. You know, when we have these opportunities to serve the spirit of God is dwelling in you how many of you know that if you're saved the spirit of God dwells in you and if the spirit of God in you is the same spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ it said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and if there's that's there's this, this this identification of your spirit with his spirit and this understanding of the of the spirit and the, uh, that's going on in, in your church, and you say, you know, I know that's what God wants me to do, and that's what God's plan is for me. <clears throat> I need to get on board with it, and I want to, and I desire to. I'm hungry to. It ought to be that you're like <laughs> the person here that we just read. Who's going to go for us? And you know, and, and well, send me. I'm available. Hey, wait, right here. I, I'm available. I'll do it. I can. I, I have. I have kids. What I like is what I'd like to see. I got little kids that want to ask. I'd like to see some bigger kids that want to do that. Pastor, what can I do? You know, uh, it's not waiting until all the activities inside the church so we can go out and play basketball. Lord, what can I do that's actually showing some maturity that I want to be like a, a, a mature Christian? I, I, I hope you're working at that, folks. I hope you're working at that idea. Take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Acts. 
I had somebody bring this <clears throat> this chapter uh, up to me this week, and I, I think it was this week or last week, and I got to thinking about that and uh, and the idea here with what we're talking about this morning, and when you have no joy in your salvation, and you don't have a desire to do the right thing, or and you wonder what's wrong. Acts chapter number eight and verse number one. There's quite a few verses, but I. We're gonna. I want you to read verse 23 first of all, and then we'll go back and pick up some other verses. This is talking about Simon. He had been converted supposedly, and the apostles, after he had behaved in a certain way, said to him, in verse 22, "Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray." God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that I am in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. And he answered Simon and said, Pray ye, in the Lord, for me, that none of these things which thou hast spoken come upon me. Now let's go back and read this in its entirety. Look at verse number one. Saul was consenting unto his death. This is Acts chapter number eight, verse number one. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered abroad throughout all the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. The devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made great havoc of the church, entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Philip preaches, in, therefore, in verse number 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed to the apostles unto those things which Philip had spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For the unclean spirit crying out with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed, and there were great joy in, this, in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of the Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they regard because of the long time he had bewitched them with sorcery. But when they... <clears throat> When they believed Philip's preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that in Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. And when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he had... He was not fallen on none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on him, and they received the Holy Ghost. Then Simon saw, through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, and he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that whomsoever I lay my hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. In the verses that I read, listen to me. 
Here we have a man, I believe, believed and was baptized. And he's seen the Holy Spirit being given to other people. doesn't say that he received the Holy Spirit. I just bring this up. In my understanding, I, I doubt this man was saved. I can't see. Yeah, he believed. What did he, there, you go to the book of John chapter 8. There was others that believed also in John chapter 8. And what were they trying to do with the Lord before the end of that chapter? Anybody remember? They're trying to kill him. So listen, I'm just sharing this with you. Because listen, if you have no real internal joy for the things of God, and, 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 and you look at him, he, he says there, there was some bitterness. There was... Now he's seen all this happening. All his power was taken away. We're going to get into some of the reasons why maybe salvation didn't take this year. And why there's no joy. It's important to realize that if you have no joy, it's going to be very, <coughs> understand it's going to be very hard. The precursor to forgiveness is a willingness to forgive. Your Bible speaks of that often. We see that in, in, in the, as the Lord Jesus taught himself. We see it here in the book of Acts. Second thing. When you have no joy in your salvation, one, you may not have a biblical salvation, but secondly, you may have unconfessed and or unforsaken sin. Now listen to me. Sin's a big deal. We read Psalm 51. We're not going to read it again. But if you'll remember, Psalm 51 was spoken by David on the heels of what sin? I may know. Sin with Bathsheba. Oh, yeah, he was doing what he wanted to do. And yes, he was the king. And yes, he was saved. But he was out of the will of God. Let me say that again. Yes, he was saved. Yes, he was the king of Israel. And yes, he'd done some great things for God. Guess what? He sinned and entered into his life. Listen, if you're having a struggle... And maybe there was at one time a greater desire to serve God and live for God. And there was a sense of joy in doing things for God. Listen, and that seems to have gone away. The sin culprit may have entered into your life. You cannot have the joy of the Lord when there's sin. God is not going to give you a sense of joy. Matter of fact, what do, what do most parents do if they're out of fellowship with their mom and with most? What do most kids do when they're out of fellowship with their parents? Is there joy in their lives? No, there's a sense of shame. They feel sad because they know that they're not right with mom and dad. They've done something guilty and they don't feel right. Listen, it's no different for you and me. If God is working in your life and he's your father and he's your Lord and he has a will for you and you're living outside of that, by the way, it doesn't have to be the sin of adultery either. It can be a lot of different things. 
I, I when I heard the Sunday school lesson this morning, the thing that came to my mind was, hey, there's if you're not if there's things you're allowing in your life that is uh, uh, does not communicate the holiness of God. By the way, for you that huh, I hear people say God's greatest attribute is love. I argue with you on that. I believe God is the God of love. The Bible says that. I believe God's greatest attribute is holiness. The Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So it doesn't have to be a great and grievous sin. I mean, if you're just living somewhere a shade out of what God wills for your life, look at Job. He was the great, he was, God said, look at my man Job. And yet there were some things in Job's life that God says, listen, I want this out. God went to a great degree to change some things in Job's life. How far does God have to go in your life to change some things? Maybe God is calling you to greater service. Anybody, do you know anybody in the Bible that God was calling to greater service and they ran? Yeah. Jonah said, hey, I want you to go down to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites. No, I ain't going. Nope. Ain't going. Well, if you ain't going and doing God's will, what are you doing? Come on. If you're not doing the will of God, what will are you doing? You're doing your own will. Or the will of the devil. And really, if it's not if it's not the will of God, it might as well be the will of the devil. I I, I want you to, I believe that God wants every believer to have a great sense of God's presence in his life. And boy, when you know you're where you need to be and you're doing what God's telling you to be, nobody can take your joy from you. Wow, it's such a great thing. I mean, you can have you can have all kinds of things. You look at the, the church at, in, in Acts chapter 8, and we look at the persecution. They were driven out of Jerusalem. Well, I guess we can't preach anymore. Does that stop them? Come on, Christian. Did that stop them? Oh, they just went out and they just preached everywhere else. They just took what God had given them, the joy that God had given them, the grace that God had given them, and they went everywhere. <clears throat> David, again, David lost that sense of joy. I hope that you as a Christian are not losing your sense of joy simply because you're allowing some kind of sin in your life. Thirdly, let's look at a couple things together. It can be you lack salvation, which I believe there's some folks in here that they, they can't quite get on to that. Secondly, I believe there's also that sin problem. But thirdly, I want you to see this. <clears throat> and this is probably, I left this one last, because this is the most sneakiest and dirtiest one. It's, hard, it's the hardest one to identify. But you've got to be able to read. If you can't read it from where you're at, I want to, I'm just going to uh, read it to you from here. Do you have forgiveness to any, have you unforgiveness is what that's supposed to be, to any degree for anyone alive or dead? That means that you are, there's somebody in your life something in your life that you haven't gotten over. 
It can be a way a parent treated you as a young person. I know somebody personally that is older than me. And the way that their parents treated them, they still, and the parents have been gone for years and years and years and years and years. And they're unforgiving. Now listen. There are so many Bible verses that have to deal with this. I'm going to take my time as much as I can. But I want you to understand, I believe this is the one that plagues most Christians. And they don't recognize it. And they don't see it. And they don't realize that the joy that God wants to give them is being robbed by this thing called bitterness. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter number 18. I want you to see what our Lord says about unforgiveness. Matthew chapter number 18. Look down in verse number 21. The Bible says, Then Peter came unto him and said, Lord, how oft should I forgive, shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? And, you know, many times I have to deal with this guy. Till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say in, not unto these until seven times, but until seventy times seven. I don't know what that figures up to be. Somebody in here probably could pop that right. What is it? 490 times. Some of you are keeping count, aren't you? If you haven't figured this out yet, Jesus said, listen, you've got to forgive every time. It doesn't matter how many times somebody does you wrong, you have to forgive them. Now, for some folks, this is hard. How many of you, I hate to ask you, but raise your hand because you might get in trouble with your spouse. You've had an argument with your loved one. You know where I'm going with this, right? And during that argument, they bring up things that happened years ago, months ago. You... You say, wow, I mean, I thought we this was done and this was over. And he, really? Am I the only one that had that happen to you? Come on, raise your hand. Oh, they dig, they've been digging in the archives. Man, they're freshing that page wet regularly. That's so we gotta keep this, we gotta keep good track of this. Well, if I I venture to guess they're keeping track. When you think about what the Lord is teaching, and look at what it says in verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king, which taken account of servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him a ten thousand talents. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. 
The servant therefore fell down, worshipped him, saying, Lord, I have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him, took him by the throat. Well, that sounds too all real, doesn't it? Saying, pay me what thou owest. And this fellow servant fell down at his uh, <clears throat> fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience in, with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but he went and cast him into prison till he would pay the debt. But when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not have, should not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wrath and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother, what? His trespass. So let me ask you, is there any or ever a reason that we can hold on to something against somebody? Is there? I... Well, maybe, Pastor, you've got to think about it. You, you don't know what this person... If you knew what this person did to me, I mean, if the church knew what this person did to me, why, they'd run them out of the church. <clears throat> no, my Bible says we've got to forgive them everything. You say, Why? Because your relationship with your Heavenly Father is severed until such a time as you learn to forgive. Are you listening? Some of you have got some issues with family members and friends. It may be a parent. It may be a sibling. And in your heart, listen to me. <clears throat> if you haven't forgiven someone, I don't care how far back you got to go, and you're holding that in your heart, let me say something to you. Your relationship with God is on hold. Because God is going to point that to you. It probably has already this morning. It says, go get it right. You want to have the joy of the Lord? You want to have a... You know, the thing of it is, when you, once you have a little bit of anger and bitterness toward anybody... Now listen to me. Because I, I see this repeated so many times, it sickens me that people have a little bit of an issue with somebody. Guess what? You cannot forgive the next person either. You say, well, yes, I can. I can hold on to this one. No, you won't. Because the same grace that is available to forgive that next person was available to forgive the first person. And you're out of fellowship with your Heavenly Father. That grace is not available to you until you get that first one taken care of. So what do you do? You think you've forgiven. You think you've forgotten. But instead, you know what you're doing? You're stacking one on top of another. On top of another. On top of another. Guess what? 
You're pretty burdened down, aren't you? You think, you, you say, man, I just can't get a good attitude. I can't get a good spirit. It seems like everybody does me wrong. It seems like there's always an issue. The problem is it's not them. It's you. There'll never be a joy in your life. There'll never be any happiness in their life. You will always have a critical spirit. And you wonder why. Because Jesus says, until you can forgive them, I cannot forgive you. See, if there's grace available from God to have your sins forgiven... There's grace available for you to forgive others. Does that make sense? That's why people are looking a person that's truly God has sanctified and they have released them of all that bitterness and anger and all that junk that was in their life, and all of a sudden they're liberated. I mean, they're just like a butterfly. I mean, they just man, and then they let go of the things that people have done to them. And they, you wonder, what has changed them? They've been forgiven and they know how to forgive. What happens if you don't? You become a very ugly person. Let me say that again. And you know, a very ugly person cannot hide their ugliness. As much as you want to hide the fact that you've, you've got an unforgiving, you don't have to, I wouldn't even know who that person is. But I can tell that a person has bitterness in their heart that they've harbored for years and years and years and years. It shows on your face. It ages you. You're old before your time. Why? Because you're not have the joy of what God has given you. Jesus didn't give us these words for us to idly ignore them and the illustration to think that that doesn't pertain to us. What are some of the things that stand in the way? Let's look at the first one. Pride. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter number 12. Very familiar passage. We're going to focus on verse 3, but I want you to see what leads up to verse 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I heard I just preach on that recently. Holy and acceptable unto God with your reasonable service. It means you're giving yourself to God. God, whatever you want to do, I need to forgive, I will. No issue with me. You've forgiven me. I'm, I'm willing and good with that. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world. And we're, t we're applying that to what we're talking about today. This world. Does the world have bitterness? Oh, wow. You see, the, you, know, how many, you see road rage? You know, you see people act like that out on the road. Do something. You know what? It's not just the incident that happened to them there at that time. They're all loaded up with bitterness. And this person just happened to cross their path at the wrong time. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say it again. Be ye transformed by the what? 
renewing of your mind, that you may be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It means I can't not continue on being unforgiving. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me and to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to God has dealt to him every man a measure of faith. Let's go back to the illustration that Jesus gave us. This man had owed how much? How many talents? Remember the figure? 10,000. <laughs> and this, this other guy owed him a, a little, little bit. What was the problem? He thought that he deserved better from this other guy. He didn't see how much he really owed and how much he had been, had been forgiven of. You know, a lot of times we as Christians hold on to bitterness because we have underestimated what God has forgiven us for. We in our pride, we don't see it. We, we, yeah, we know I'm a sinner, and yes, God forgave me. No, you don't understand how much of a sinner you were. Your sin was going to send you to hell. See, when the idea in verse number three, there's grace given to have a humble and broken spirit. David says, and when we read it this morning, humble and broken spirit, God will not despise. Broken and contrite heart. Boy, I got it much better than I deserve. And I'm, I've got, man, I'm glad I don't. I'm not getting what I really got. Should have coming to me. This is big, folks. I see your faces. You, you, you want to have joy. You want to serve God from the heart. You want to do, but there's something that's just kind of standing in your way. And you haven't put your finger on it. And the finger isn't the outside of you. The finger you need to point at is you. You just need to put the old finger on you. Say, the reason I haven't, it's not the people around me that's, that's causing me the grief. It's because I haven't been willing to forgive everything. And I think I deserve better because of who I am. Well, you're nothing more than a filthy, dirty sinner saved by grace. So get off the pride. Look at number two. <clears throat> You have a self-centeredness and selfishness. Look at look at look look at First Corinthians chapter number twelve. First Corinthians chapter number twelve. Look at the look at what it says here about the <clears throat> the ministry of the Spirit of God. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse number one. I'm going to read down to verse number three. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. You know the Gentiles were carried out, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Whereof I give you understanding, that no man speaketh the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus Christ, and no man saith Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> 
Now there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diverse, a difference of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversity of operations, but the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to do what? So your spirit, my spirit, should it benefit somebody else? Yeah. Should it be self-centered or selfish? Worried about number one. If you have the manifestation of God's Spirit in you, it's to profit somebody else. So, we go back to this idea of unforgiveness. Who's profiting? Are you profiting? You think you are. Is a person that you've got this problem with, are they profiting? Are your children profiting? Is your church profiting? You don't know what they did to me. And you don't know what they said. I'm asking you, are, are, are people profiting? Then if they're not, you do not have Liberty through Christ. You are not accomplishing the will of God. And what's the, what's more painful than anything is you're being robbed of God's blessing. You know, I, I really believe this. This is my own. I'll take it or leave it. This is free. I believe that some folks that have a little bit of bitterness would really deal with it in here. That you would be, your, your personality would be so radically changed, there would be some people would think you got born again. Because there would be a continuous sense of joy in your life. There would be so much weight taken off of you. You, you, something you don't even realize. When you hang on to it, it's a load. And you carry it all the time. I don't know about you. Brother Lewis, we back there, we're lifting, <laughs> we were lifting those cabinets and trying to get them up on the next to the ceiling. And I know the guy running the gun, and I think I was one of the guys running the gun trying to get those cabinets screwed to the wall. Me and Louis, little Lewis were on one end, right? Where's little Lewis at? There he is. And I could hear little Lewis back there going, shush, He didn't know I was listening to him grunt. I was trying to be, I was grunting, but I was trying to not act like I was. Huh? Holding them cabinets up. And then when he finally, we got it. I could hear old, like, let a, let, like letting air out of a tire when, when he let go of that. Some of you. You let go of things that somebody's done to you. There'd be such a relief in your spirit. All of a sudden, you'd say, "Man, I I wonder what I really like to get involved in the in what God is doing. I know God's liberated me, and I'm so excited about this forgiveness. I want to see others have the same." Let me jump ahead a little bit here. 
I'm just going to go through these very quickly. There's sadness, there's worry, or there's joy. I believe you can have concern. I don't know what you realize. If you take, take your Bible and turn over Proverbs chapter 14, I want to show you a verse. Maybe you've seen it all right. But do you realize there's joy and bitterness? No, but now, Pastor, you just said something goofy. You look at Proverbs chapter 14, 10. <clears throat> the heart knoweth his own, what? Bitterness. That means you don't have to dig too deep to find it. And what's it say? And a stranger doth not intermeddle with what? His joy. You realize that there's folks that had bitterness so long, it's become so much a part of their personality, of who they are, it becomes a joy to them. It's their excuse for their life. Nobody messes with it. Not even the pastor when he gets up here to preach. I'm not changing how I feel about certain things. This is the way I've always felt, and I'm going to stay that way. This is who I am. You like it or you leave it. Or lump it. <laughs> Nobody messes with it. Wouldn't it be terrible to be in such a play way with your bitterness that it becomes your joy? It becomes who you are. Your personality is being formed by this lack of forgiveness. Well, what's it say? The command of God is what? In Ephesians 4, 3, we'll let all what? Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from among you with all malice. So God has given us a command that what? Get over it. By the grace of God, get over it. And there is grace. Look at Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. Folks, we're almost done. Hebrews chapter number 12. Please read this with me in your Bible. We're going to start back in verse 14. He says, follow peace with a few men, some men, the ones that treat you nice. Follow peace with what? All men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. We know this verse. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the what? Grace of God. What's he saying? That means God says you get into your life, you get into your background, and when maybe before you were even saved, you get into the archives of your thinking and of your unforgiveness. He says, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness uh, springing up trouble you, thereby what? Many be defiled. Remember what I said? Once you've got that unforgiveness in your heart, it stays there until you deal with it. It could actually be before you're saved. You just never properly dealt with it. Now, some of you have some very colorful backgrounds. People done you wrong and 
ways that you don't even tell me about. And boy, it's, I tell you what, there's only one way to get over that past. You take it to the, before the throne of God and say, God, this has been a terrible thing that has happened in my life, and it's, and, it's, and it's made me bitter. It's become who I am. It's become the joy of my life, my bitterness. And I want to leave it where? I want to leave it right at the throne. I don't want to carry it anymore. I want to leave it right here. I want to go on with my life in Christ. I want to forgive people, and I want to be one that gives people the ability to see God's grace. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for a morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. There's some reasons. We're not going to have an evening service, so we're going to go down through every verse. I want you to, we're not going to spend a lot of time. I just want you to read it with me and see if you get what I get. Isaiah chapter 6. We've already been there. But I think it would be good for us to read it again. It's the evidence of your salvation. The reasons you should have joy. Isaiah chapter 6. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter number 6. In verse number seven and eight. And the Bible says in verse seven, he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, mine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. I also heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will I go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Isaiah chapter twelve, verse number one. reason you should have joy is, number one, you should have salvation. Secondly, Isaiah 12, 1. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength, my song, also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall we he draw waters out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is done in all the earth. Cry out, shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. I put this down as your evidence of your understanding of sin. When you read this, this individual understood his sin. And how terrible your sin is and my sin is. Psalm chapter 28 and verse 7. Psalm chapter number 28, verse number 7. 
I will wash mine. 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him. I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth. And with my song will I praise him. The working results of God's presence. Psalm 149. Psalm 149. Why should you have joy? There, there, I have not exhausted by any means all the Bible verses on joy, but I, I really believe there's reasons that hinder a person's joy. 149. Start in verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his, and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let the Israel rejoice in him that made... That made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name and dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let me say, does God take pleasure when we're joyful? How many kids like when your kids are happy? Right? You just like it. You just enjoy them when they're happy and they're content. God takes pleasure when you're happy. Last one, Proverbs 17. Take your Bible, turn back there. Proverbs 17. Verse number 22. Merry heart <clears throat> doeth good like a what? Woo! But a broken spirit, what? How many take pills? <laughs> I take pills. You believe in your medicine? How about we take a prescription from God? Why don't we just say tonight, Today, we're, we're just going to work on this joy. If it's unforgiveness, I'm going to start forgiving. If it's sin, I'm going to dig it out. If you're here today and you're not sure about your salvation, why don't today be the first day that you can have real forgiveness and real joy? Let's stand as we close. Heavenly Father, we know the devil is a liar. And Father, he always is, makes us believe that we're justified in our feelings, our emotions. And tries to justify the way we are, and that we have a right to be the way we are. Lord, we know him as a liar. 